Welcome to Real You, Real Money, the podcast that will inspire you to love all of who you are and love making big money all at the same time. I'm Ray Dodd, your host and resident money coach, and week in, week out, I'm here to remind you that your feelings and experiences of money have nothing to do with who you are and everything to do with who you've been told you have to be. This podcast is all about powerful conversations that will support you in building a business that reflects who you actually are. This is not a one-size-fits-all style podcast. This is a podcast that celebrates the individual you are and more than that, believes your uniqueness is the key to you making the sort of money you truly want to. Thank you for being here. Let's do this thing. Hello. And welcome to another episode of Real You, Real Money. I can't tell you how happy I am (laughs) just to be sat here recording this. I have tried. I've had so many like obstacles to recording this episode today. I'm just really happy to be here, to be honest, sharing this stuff. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to talk to you today about something that I've been planning for quite some time something that I found myself thinking about and I found myself having internal objections to and then I thought hmm maybe I could kind of I'm not quite talking you through the process but maybe I could sort of show the podcast listeners how this stuff can come up and and really how deeply our conditioning to be good and kind and right can go. I've been thinking a lot recently about the ways that the right-wing people in this country, the Tories, the people that do not hold the same sensibilities of those of us that would class ourselves as being on the left, being liberal, all of that stuff. I've been thinking about the ways in which the people who are more right-wing politically which often means that they hold beliefs that I would not put into the political arena that are actually human rights-based issues, but that get put into being politics. And I would say they're human rights issues. And I know a lot of you would agree with me. I was thinking about the way those people who rally against immigrants and abortion and who uphold white supremacy and homophobia and transphobia and ableism and all of those things and these are not not all right when people do that but you know there's huge crossover I was thinking about how much money those people hold and I think a lot about the ways in which people who make a lot of money do things in ways that those of us who identify as being liberal as being on the left They do, we sometimes, I think, throw out everything they do to make money. We throw out like the baby with the bathwater situation. And I've been thinking a lot about what we can learn from those people, which is like, oof, sticky ground, right? But I think that we know, I don't just think, we know those on the right are making more money. We know that because of that, they hold more power. We know that because of that, they hold more influence. Now, do I think we need to copy their methods? No, 
Do I think we can learn from their methods and question them? Yes. Do I think there are some things we can do that they do that we don't do just because they do? <laughs> Did that bit make sense? And sometimes I think our worry, our moralizing, our over commitment to what's ethical and what's not ethical is holding us back in ways it does not need to. And today's podcast is an example of that. So what I want to talk about today is to backtrack a little before I get into the actual topic. The last quarter of 2023, I nearly said 2013 then, honestly, my brain is struggling to just accept its age. <laughs> I'm constantly trying to say it's 2013, 2012. It's not. <laughs> that was 12. Well, how long was it ago? 11 years ago. Anyway, the last quarter of 2023 was my best of the year. It was also a time in which I posted on social media and emailed the least in the year. I think I've mentioned this already on the podcast, pretty sure. As I've definitely mentioned that my dad died last summer at the beginning of June. And some of the grief really caught up with me. In October, we went on a family holiday. And I think that was, it was a family holiday without my dad, obviously, with his wife. And I just think it really caught up with me. And so I started off October strong. I started off in October doing my five days of plenty, which is something I do at least once a year. It always goes really well. It always adds a lot of momentum. It always adds a lot of audience for me. So I started off doing that, but I would have rather <laughs> ridden the wave of that effort into the end of the year. And in some ways I did, but it could have been like, I have no doubt that regardless, partly because of that, the last quarter of the year was always going to be my biggest quarter. But it was really interesting to me what happened even when I was in the situation where I just couldn't bring myself to email. I just couldn't bring myself to post on Instagram or do stories. And so I really dropped off, but I still made, still had the best months and therefore the best quarter of the entire year. And the reason for that is while I may drop off on my outward facing content creating, I never drop off pretty much, like occasionally I take time off, but I never drop off of showing up for the people in my communities, in my paid for communities. And the sales that came through were from exclusively after once people had joined Plenty, which was on the back of the five days of Plenty. So I launched Plenty, a number of people joined then, really awesome, beautiful, wonderful people that I'm thoroughly enjoying adding into our community, which to be honest is always the case with the people that end up in my world. It's a magical thing in some, well, it feels like a magical thing. It's not a magical thing. It's a thing I teach and sell that thing, but it can feel that way. So we added those people in and it was those, not the, just the people that joined, but the people who already exist in my community. Those were the people that were buying from me. People I've worked with one-to-one -one in the past, people I've worked with in plenty. They were re-buying from me, buying new things, buying more things, buying more in-depth things. 
I wasn't sending them emails. I was showing up for them as I always do in plenty. If you join plenty, doors are not open right now, but if you join plenty, you get to see me so much. <laughs> we joke about it sometimes. We had a really busy week of various things. I was like, every day, every day, everybody, here I am. One day, twice a day. So I show up a lot in that space and I give a lot of value. Yes, plenty costs 2000 pounds but the value you get is way I feel so confident saying that way beyond two thousand pounds and so they see me there and they are the people that then were buying and I was reflecting on this because I was thinking I this is like a good story this is a podcast story I need to make content out of this I want to talk about the fact that I stopped posting and had my best quarter of the year and then I started to think about the fact that the the community is such an asset, you know, that that they are, that communities are money-making assets. And I thought, can I say that? Can I say that? That feels funny to me. And so I put out some posts. I put a post in plenty. I put a post on my stories. And I was like, can we just check? How does it feel to you if I say, I can't remember exactly how I worded it was, but I think I said, that your audience or your community is a money-making asset. And I got a few like, that feels fine to me. The vast majority of people were like, whoa, no, I don't like that. And I was like, yeah, I thought so. I thought that was going to happen, that people were going to be like, how okay is it to fully acknowledge, fully lean into the idea that in my business, my audience is a money-making asset. Because you can feel that old conditioning coming up, right? That, am I using them? Am I rinsing them for money? Is it okay to nurture those connections because I want money from those people does that feel all right human connection is one of my biggest deep what do I call it deep connections is one of my strongest values deep connection truth telling those are probably my top two and those people in plenty so my one-to-one -one clients who are coming back from, from more, to work with me some more, they are my warmest people. They are the people that have gone, come behind the scenes and know what it is to work with me. And I feel incredibly grateful and utterly privileged and honestly a bit humbled that they still want to. You know, I make no secret of the fact that behind closed doors, the... Um, like I'm not a perfect human there are mistakes made in my business there are mistakes made in onboarding there are mistakes made in all sorts of aspects but I always one of the things I'm very committed to because deep connections and honesty require this is being transparent about that and 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 fessing up and kind of acknowledging that stuff and so it just feels gorgeous delicious even that my theory's right about that <laughs> like I think it works like this <gasps> people do respond well to that I'm not wrong I'm not wrong that that's what happens 
So if when I talk about your community being a money-making asset to you, for you, for your business, if you get that like, Ray, okay, I know that you're going to tell me this is fine because you've got it on the podcast, but it does make me feel a bit icky. Like I worry about it or I feel unsure about it. It feels a bit off. Join me. Join me as we pull this one apart. So is it okay to think of these humans that you value so highly? And my God, I value the people in Plenty, the people who are joining Sell That Thing. I am so excited by the people that are joining Sell That Thing. So excited. I had a voice note with one of them just now and I don't know them. I haven't worked with them before. And I like all that they were saying that they're struggling with. I was like, oh, yes, you're in the right place. And I just, I adore it. So I value the people that buy my stuff really highly and I want them to feel like they are always treated like a human, not a commodity. So it feels somewhat edgy, right, to say they're a money-making asset. And I do think it's important to check in with these feelings. Like I said, there's stuff we can learn from the people that are making lots of money that we are not paying attention to, but there's also stuff we do not want to repeat. There's also ways in which money is being made that are not okay, that we want to dismantle, we want to no longer exist, essentially. But so we check in because if you're in my world, if you're listening to this podcast, you might be fully in this. If you're not, I invite you to join us in it. Into being into the, being in the business of rewriting what we've been taught, the ways that we have to do it, the ways that we should do it. So yes, audiences are seen as a money-making commodity, but is that okay is the question. And it's easy to feel a subconscious or conscious uncertainty or judgment or unsureness about a practice and just dismiss it immediately. Because there's so much bullshit out there that our brain goes, oh, doesn't feel right, can't do that. And doesn't actually investigate further. Doesn't ask our, we don't ask ourselves, well, wait a minute, let me just sit with this. What doesn't feel right? Not a knee jerk reaction of badness, of bad things, but a considered approach. Because we need to put a little more thought in than this feels not right. This feels not okay. We need to think more critically than that. And like I said, sometimes the ick is legit. And sometimes the ick is social conditioning in disguise and it's keeping us broke. So when our brain goes, making money from people isn't that capitalist ter terribleness, we can take a breath and look at what's really going on. Because the issue here is not labelling humans as money-making assets. It's in what we mean to by this. And the very first thing to say is there are two definitions of asset. One suggests ownership. So you own an asset. Your house is an asset that you own. And I think that definition is where our heebie-jeebies come from. They come from this feeling of like... I'm using them. I'm, I'm treating them like an object. I'm behaving like they don't have choices in this. 
But the other definition of asset is that it's something valuable. And it's interesting that how with money, most of our brains go to ownership. But actually, or using people or mining them for money, mining your audience for money, like you're just going to extract, mining is a good word for it. You're just going to extract and extract from them. But really, when we talk about your audience being a money-making asset, we mean that they are valuable. We mean they are valuable in a human spiritual sense like they are worth a lot but also we mean they are valuable to your business they're an investment you make those connections are certainly in my business are entirely real so the way that we've been conditioned to believe that what money touches becomes bad or unkind is super interesting here because if we were just talking about community and we weren't thinking about that community paying us, we wouldn't have these same thoughts. But when we introduce money, when we introduce selling, we often become really unsure. Our footing becomes unstable and we don't really know what's okay anymore. And so what we'll do, and, and one of the ways this shows up, is in us just not selling enough because we don't want our audience to feel like all we want from them is money, that that's all we're after. And so we avoid it. So we, we pull back and we stop showing up or we continue to offer lots of free value. We continue to nurture the connection with that audience over and over again, but without selling to them. Because we have conflated selling with harm, selling with pressure, money making with unkindness. Because we think, and I'm gonna talk about this more in a little minute, but we think we are pressuring them to spend with us. Our presence, our very, our repeated presence somehow pressures them to buy from us and when we sense that when we feel like oh is this okay it means that once again empathetic justice-minded people make less money and when they make less money they have less energy to put towards because struggling for money all the time, feeling like you're not doing enough, feeling like you're not making enough, feeling like you cannot win, you can't be both justice-minded and empathetic and make money, and yet you need money to survive, and all of that stuff is fucking exhausting. It's so tiring, and it keeps those people, those justice-minded people, those justice-centered people, tired and broke and actually less effective in everything because they're having to keep up with all the things. They're running themselves ragged. Did you notice that when Threads started, I can't remember when it was, the Instagram, Twitter, when it started, did you see all the people saying, this is not a selling space? Oh, boiled my piss. <laughs> just people being like oh just let's keep this a selling free zone I'm sorry I run a business and I'm an autonomous human being you are also an autonomous human being 
I'm going to do what I want and you can interact with that or not. But don't go telling people that they need to spend their time on an app talking to people and that there will be no, they're not allowed to sell what they do there. First of all, what if you're super engaging and I think you're awesome and I want to buy from you? What if I want to know what's going on? This idea that selling is always a pushy, problematic thing is so deeply wrong. Like that opinion, I know people are meant to be allowed their opinions, but honestly, that one's wrong. (laughs) Like it just is. I know I'm being black and white, but it really is. It's my belief that part of why selling feels like pressure is honestly, A, because of, of course, dodgy selling tactics. But another part of it is because we've been conditioned to be people pleasers with leaky boundaries. So we also see some selling as pressuring when actually it's because we can't say no. We and we can't say no, literally, like, no, I don't want to do that with you. Or we can't say no, like just an unfollow and unsubscribe. And unengage. We have leaky boundaries. We feel like we've got to present so nicely all the time that it means entertaining things that we have no interest in. And when we can't trust ourselves to say no when we're not interested, like I said, whether that's a physical no or whether it's a removal of interest. When we have been conditioned to see soft boundaries and putting other people's needs above ourselves as the ultimate kindness, and actually even often there's a morality to that, then we don't trust others to make their own decisions too. So when we struggle to uphold our boundaries, when we're being sold to, we presume other people will struggle to uphold their boundaries when we sell to them. The most true balance of power has to be a reciprocal one and maybe even power is not the right word in that but trust needs to go both ways so in sell that thing I absolutely teach people about how to be trusted by the people that are going to buy from them but I also teach them how to trust the people that will be buying from them so you want to be trusted by your audience But in order for that not to be deeply dodgy, you also need to trust them too. Because when we don't trust our audience, when we don't trust our community and the people that buy from us, we can easily pressure them. We cannot trust them. Like, so in plenty, for example, I will, I don't sell loads in there. That's the other thing to say. I don't sell loads in there, but I will mention my stuff. But I, in at no point am I concerned about whether or not people from in there buy. At no point do I ever see, and this has only just occurred to me that somebody could even think this, that like, you know, oh, well, they only bought one thing from me, so they're never going to buy anything else. Or, oh, you know, they just wanted that one. Like, I don't, I just don't even think like that. I actually don't think like that about free stuff either. That's one of the things I'm going to be teaching in Sell That Thing. I remember if I've actually put this on the sales page. (laughs) One of the things I'm going to be teaching about is how to offer free content. Because I have quite a unique take on that. In that, Like, it's just a resentment-free zone for me. I actually see all my free content 
as part of what I'm paid for. I just don't get paid directly for it. Like this is all my work. I never feel like, oh, I'm not getting paid for this. I feel like I'm being paid for all of it because I'm fully aware that the reason anybody's paying me is largely like a big part of it is because of the value I put out, because of what, of the connection points I give people. So that was a little bit of a tangent, but you can't ask your audience, you can't ask your community to truly trust you if you're not really trusting them. If subconsciously or consciously, you believe you know better than them. That looks like not wanting to sell too much or price too high because you don't trust them to make their, their own decisions. It looks like believing no one in your audience can afford you because you believe you know better. Well, I'm not even going to put that stuff out at that price because no one can afford it. How do you know that? I guarantee whatever price you could pick, there are multiple people in your audience who could afford you. And let's say that's not true. That's a messaging issue. It's a copy issue. It's a find new people issue. It's not a therefore I can never charge those prices issue. It can also look, not trusting your audience, can also look like downplaying things with the language you choose, just in case. Like, so for example, like not being as absolute in your in the in the words you use. So you you might enjoy selling after this, maybe. Instead, and if anyone's thinking about sell that thing, let me say this to you now. Sell that thing is for people who are really ready to take up space. It is for people who are like, I want to sell boldly and openly and honestly and with joy. For whatever reason, that's not quite happening for me right now, but that's where I want to be. Those th With those people, with the stuff we're going to talk through, if you're in that space, if you're ready to be known for what you do, if you're ready to stand up tall in your business, in with, within what you offer, those people are going to experience the transformation I'm offering. If they show up and do the work, sure. But that bit's not on me. That bit's on them. I can't control that part. So I'm going to use that bold language because I trust them and I trust myself. I trust myself to attract the right people. I trust them to show up and do the work. It also looks like, and I'm not going to rant about this because every time I bring this up, I rant about it. So I'm going to try and hold it in. But something like a while ago, I don't think this is such an issue anymore. Everyone was wanging on about charm pricing and what a problem it was. And charm pricing is basically when you price something at like close to a full amount. So for example, sell that thing is I'm charging 397. People would have said that's charm pricing. I think I'm so petty. I honestly think that's why I like those prices now. And the idea was that you were tricking people into buying your stuff at a lower rate. Now, I think believing that means that you are subconsciously, and this is not any kind of What's the word? Like, I'm not judging these people for that. Like, I understand where that, that these feelings come from. I'm not saying that it's like problematic of them. It makes sense why they would feel this way. But anybody who 
can see that the price is 397 knows that that's three pounds off 400 pounds they know that you can trust your people to do basic maths weirdly though you can't always trust your brain <laughs> to do subconscious to do basic maths sorry because sometimes our brains just feel way more chilled at 397 than they do at 400 and actually that's true of someone buying it doesn't mean like shit i just paid 397 for that and i really thought it was 300 pounds that person has hoodwinked me out of 97 pounds no they know they've paid 397 for it that is what they've paid for it but our brains are funny places they might feel more comfortable with something that's three pounds off, 400 pounds, 400 dollars, 400 euros. That might feel better to them. And that's okay. That's part of trusting your clients and your customers that they can decide what feels good to them. And somebody else you might be listening to this would be like, Ray, I actually am absolutely never following anything you do because I hate it when people charge slightly under. And therefore, I won't buy from you. And that's fine. If that bothers somebody, that's totally fine. I've got a number of wonderful friends who chart who do their pricing in angel numbers. So like 111, 333, all of that stuff. That's not something that's really in my world. It's not something that I'm into doing. So it doesn't feel particularly anything to me, but it's just what they charge and it's fine. I trust them. They can trust me. Your community, whether you want to acknowledge it or not, is an asset to your business. It is one of the most valuable things you can ever create for yourself and for your people. I'm going to be teaching about this in Sell That Thing. We talk about how to create a community that actually buys from you. And I don't do that in a way of like, get, get anyone in. Like, actually, a lot of this is about being very specific, very honest, genuinely connecting with these people so that when you create stuff you're just on a similar wavelength like that's a valuable thing to have in a business it's a valuable thing to create a relationship with people where they don't even really read your sales page they just want to buy what you're offering like that's an incredible thing to be able to create and it's lovely for everybody involved we need to stop acting like once we introduce money into a scenario, it sullies things. It dirties the waters, like muddies the waters. It doesn't. It doesn't have to. And I really want to say as well, because this comes up a lot, people often think that someone paying you is somehow about you taking something from them. But I really, really want you all to reframe that because in actual fact, it's about an exchange. You're not taking anything from them. They are willingly investing in you. They're not even giving you anything because giving something is when you don't expect anything in return. They do expect something in return. It's an exchange. It's an investment. But paying you also offers them opportunity for growth an expansion, to feel like they belong. One of my favorite things is the way in which somebody will be a lurker in my public online world, so like on Instagram or something, mostly on Instagram. 
they won't DM me, they won't comment, I might not even have noticed them liking a post. Then they buy from me and suddenly they're commenting. Suddenly there's something about that that gives them legitimacy in terms of being part of my community publicly. And I think that's so interesting. And just rem like, there's, I could say till I'm blue in the face, you are welcome to comment, you're so welcome here, blah, 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 blah. And some people are just not, and I'd say the majority of people are just in my world anyway, are just not gonna do that. So when people pay you, you give them the opportunity to really feel like they legitimately belong. You give them the opportunity to feel expanded that they would spend that sort of money on a painting, on coaching, on support for their business, on whatever it is you do, on therapy, that they're the sort of person that invests in that way. That is expansive in its own right. Take out of your brain, right now reach in, remove it, this idea that you are taking from them. It's like we snatch money off people. And I know you're not doing that. I know you're not. If anything, you're hiding the opportunity for someone to buy from you in a corner just in case you snatch. And in fact, if you take out the money aspect completely, you're just providing them with opportunities, opportunities to grow, opportunities for connection, opportunities for joy, pleasure. To moralize selling to your audience misses the whole point. See them as an asset to you, as something valuable that of course offers you value. Let's not moralize this. Let's just call it what it is. And that's how I see it. You can say, oh, you know, it's not okay to do it, blah, 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 blah. Like we can't, you know, humans are not to be make, just giving, like, <clears throat> humans are not just money-making assets. No, who's saying that's all they are? I'm certainly not saying, I'm not going to reduce humanity just to that. But I will also say that that gorgeous, wonderful community of mine are part of what makes money in my business but they don't get nothing in return. They don't, there is so much that is held within that space. Money is one aspect of that exchange, one aspect. And I always, always come back to, and this is a butchering of this, Tosha Silva, who's a writer, has this prayer. And in it, it she doesn't, she, I think she says, allow people the joy of giving to you. But I like to reword it as allow people the joy of investing in you. Allow people the joy of being in your community and enjoying paying you, enjoying supporting your work, enjoying being part of your growth, enjoying being part of the way you grow your ideas and all of that stuff. Allow it, acknowledge it, admit it. Because then we get to grow communities in ways that are so incredibly powerful and we don't have to struggle while we do it. Which gives us more energy to nurture that very community. 
all right, if you're interested in sell that thing, you can pop to the sales page. There's a link in my bio. You can pop me a DM, ask me any questions. I'm super happy to exchange voice notes, to exchange messages. We can chat it through. But I think for a lot of you, you're going to know it's the right fit. And if you know, you know. And if you want to be part of that community, I'd love to have you. It is one of the things I am most proud of in my entire business. All right. Thanks for being here. I'll see you next time.